Welcome to the John DeVito Show. And you can see my title. It's Friday, bitches. Let's go. I am very excited it's Friday. And I'm going to be chilling out this weekend. And uh, well, I guess chilling out as far as our family chills out. We don't chill out all that much or all that well. We're usually pretty busy. But um, I'm excited, you know, regardless for the weekend. Um, we've got... A lot of things going on like we always do, and that's part of life when you're married with four children. You know, I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old. So this weekend, my son's got work uh, Saturday night. We've got a baseball game Saturday morning, actually two baseball games Saturday morning. And then my uh, son, Ethan, who's 13 or actually 14, he has his first uh, showcase for baseball, so that should be kind of fun. So he's going to be going to like a tryout with there's going to be a group there kind of evaluating him and evaluating his baseball skills with a chance for him to maybe, you know, who knows, play after high school someday. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you for stopping by. So, yeah, I was just uh, getting into the show, just started talking about I'm very excited for the weekend. And I guess with my title, you know, it's Friday Bitches. I guess I should be fair and say it's Friday Bastards also. <laughs> I guess I'm being a little, you know, I don't know. Uh, not not uh, politically correct, I guess, with my term, but that's all right. I, I'm kind of in a good mood today, you know, just chilling, looking forward to the weekend. Um, I'm always happy when it's Friday. You know, the thing of it is, I have a job that I like. I really enjoy what I do, and it's been kind of a challenge being home sometimes, you know, with um, my kids and all that stuff, and I've been home for like seven months, and it looks like we won't be traveling at least until next year because I work with schools and, you know, the schools aren't really letting people in. So doing a lot of Zoom meetings and things like that. So, but even though I like my job, I still, you know, look forward to the weekends, obviously. But sometimes, you know, our weekends can be more busy than the weeks themselves. So, you know, as I was saying, like tonight, what are we doing tonight? Tonight, I'm going to be doing actually my rock show at five o'clock. So if you like classic rock, you know, tune into Podbean Live. Five o'clock Eastern time this afternoon, I'm going to be most likely DJing with my daughter, Caitlin, and maybe my son, Brandon. He likes to help out as well. So we're going to chill and play some uh, music. Hey, Tammy, how are you? Welcome to the show. So, yeah, we're going to be chilling, playing some music tonight, doing that for a few hours. And then tomorrow we've got kind of a busy day. You know, we've got two baseball games in the morning. And please share my live, everybody, if you don't mind. That'd be great. But we've got two baseball games in the morning tomorrow. And then my son, Ethan, has a... Uh, like a prospect day for his AAU team. So he's going to be uh, going out there and they're going to be measuring all of his different, uh, you know, times and skills. You wouldn't believe how complicated it is right now. I don't know if you guys, you know, have uh, baseball kids in your family, but things have changed a lot since I was a kid. Like my son's going to go tomorrow. He's 14. They're going to be measuring his speed. They're going to be measuring his swing. And the way they measure his swing, this is kind of crazy. They measure the exit velocity of the baseball. So when he hits a baseball, they have like a gun that measures the speed in which the baseball actually comes off of his bat. And this is how they judge, I guess, uh, you know, bat speed and things like that. So <laughs> I guess for, you know, for his age, he has a pretty good uh, exit velocity. I guess it's somewhere like in the, in the ballpark of like 80 to 90 miles an hour. But if you want to play in the major leagues, the major league exit velocity is usually somewhere in the ballpark of 110 miles an hour so they, they measure things like that they measure another thing because he's a catcher called a pop time which is the amount of time it takes him to catch the ball 
and then throw it down to second base on a steal. So they measure that time, and they do all these crazy advanced things now, which they certainly didn't do, you know, when I was a kid. So anyway, we got, we've got that tomorrow morning. Now tomorrow night, I'm going to be chilling out a little bit. I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, hanging out with my wife a little bit tomorrow night, and we're going to have like a date, but at home. And this is going to be <laughs> another music uh, podcast tomorrow night, but it's going to be a little different. My wife and I are going to DJ. You know, she doesn't really like being on the air. She's kind of shy uh, doing this type of thing. But we're going to do a show of uh, the best love songs of all time. So if you have like a special somebody in your life, you know, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, uh, join and listen to the show. And even if you don't, if you like, you know, good songs, we're going to, I downloaded a bunch of songs from this playlist that had like literally the 25 best love songs of all time. And I listened to a lot of them and they are really good. They were songs I didn't think of. And I'm like, man, that was a good song. I haven't heard that in a long time. So my wife, wife and I are going to sit back. We're just going to chill out. We're going to drink some of our apple cider moonshine that one of our friends in town made and uh, spin some good music tomorrow night just to, you know, chill out too. So we're kind of looking forward to that. That should be kind of a fun night. You know, with four kids, we don't get many date nights and get to do that many things, you know, anymore. So, you know, whatever we, we take whatever we can get, basically. But for her, it's going to be tough this weekend. She's actually on call. She's in the medical field, and she's on call with the hospital all weekend. And I'll tell you, those weekends are tough. I don't know if you know anybody that's a doctor, but um, <laughs> my wife literally is on call tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday night. And she was on call Wednesday night, too. So that basically means the phone rings all night long. So anything that goes through the medical office, my wife, you know, takes the phone calls overnight. So on these nights, I end up sleeping downstairs. I just can't do it. You know, the phone literally rings all night long. It could ring at, you know, 11, 1, 3, 5. I don't know how she does it. I really could not do that. So, yeah, we've got one of those weekends coming up where I'm going to be banished to the downstairs uh, bedroom. <laughs> for for a couple of days and that's okay with me because i can't handle those phone calls but uh you know the weekend itself i mean it's going to be pretty chill we're going to be hanging out uh sunday i don't think we have too much to do so we're probably gonna you know catch up on things around the house and yards and uh, do some yard work and things like that eric welcome to the show my friend good to see you so i'm just kind of chilling a little bit and if you could everyone please share my live when you get a chance um, but yeah, you know, things this weekend should be busy, uh, should be fun, typical, you know, we've got a lot of baseball happening in our weekend, like we do every weekend. And that's just something that's <laughs> pretty much a staple in our life uh, every week. Oh, I forgot. Also, my daughter has bowling on Saturday morning. So in addition to the two baseball games, we have bowling Saturday morning as well before the prospect day. So it should be a very busy morning tomorrow. So uh, I think I do less work during the work week than I do on weekends. But anyway, I get a bunch of things in the docket I want to talk about today. You know, we talked a little bit about weekend plans. I want to talk a little bit about, um, hey, Matt, welcome to the show. I want to talk about something that's kind of cool that my town's doing. And some of you may have already seen this. If you guys follow me on Facebook, Twitter, you know, whatever, uh, Instagram, all the different social media pages I have, our, to our town is doing kind of a cool Halloween decorating contest and for those that have seen the pictures that I posted, obviously I get into it. So we, my kids decided they wanted to make a go at trying to win the contest. And we put up a pretty good, you know, Halloween display every year. So we've got like a, you know, a live Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason on our front porch. We've got, um, you know, these creepy clowns and things like that hanging in the woods in front of our house. So the evaluation start tonight, people in town drive by the houses like they created a map 
of all the houses that are doing it. I think there's something like 36 houses in my town that are doing this uh, Halloween display competition. So it should be fun. So we're going to have drive-bys today. And I thought about after my podcast today, I've got one finishing touch I want to put out. Hey, Doss, welcome to the show. My finishing touch, I have to go out and get a red balloon and actually tie that to my mailbox so I can kind of have like the Pennywise feel to the entire display. So that uh, it's kind of a cool little thing my town does. And they do this as like a fundraiser for the schools. And it costs you like 20 bucks to enter the contest. And I'm not sure what you win, if you win, but uh, it should be cool. So yeah, for everybody that's in here, please share my live. So I was talking about weekend plans, talking about the town Halloween contest. I'm going to get into talking about some other things after the main topic that I want to talk about. And uh, again, I'm going to talk about some of the things that uh, I believe are important in life after the next topic. But, you know, I'm sure everybody saw the Biden-Trump debate last night, and it was nice, in my opinion, to see the two of them acting like grown men this time a little bit more than they did last time. You know, while I'm a Trump supporter, I certainly thought Trump didn't do himself any favors after that first debate. And it was funny. I watched the whole debate from beginning to end. I don't normally do that. And I posted a poll on my Twitter page. And surprisingly, I think I've got close to 100 votes already. And I don't normally get that many votes for my polls. And 70% of the people on the Twitter poll uh, said that Trump won the debate. So I'm not sure how everybody feels in here. If you guys feel Trump or Biden, I've got five people in the live right now. I'd love to just see you kind of type in who you think won. You know, give me a Trump or a Biden if you want to. I'm not going to judge you either way. I'm just kind of curious what you thought. I, you know, my, my takeaways from the debate were number one, yeah, you know, I, I was doing the same thing, but I watched most of the debate. I, I thought Trump won the debate. I don't think it was a wide margin. I think he did a much better job in this debate than he did in the first debate. Biden, in my opinion, was more coherent than I expected him to be. You hear all the things about Biden having you know, dementia, having a stuttering problem, having a variety of different issues. I didn't think he was terrible in the debate, but I guess the one thing I don't like about Joe Biden, and I don't like about most politicians, is for a long time, I've wanted a president that could speak real to the people. And I hate it when politicians get into those periods of time where they just go on and on you know, with a, with like political speak and don't really answer questions. Now, my daughter pointed this out to me last night, right at the end of the debate, the last question of the debate, uh, they asked uh, Trump and Biden a direct question and Trump didn't really answer the question. Biden did answer it. But I did think that Trump did a good job hammering away at some of the, uh, the issues that Joe and Hunter Biden have right now with Russia and China. Hey, Praveen, welcome to the show. And, you know, I guess my point of view is I don't know, honestly, if the Hunter and Joe Biden story is true. I mean, there are a lot of sources coming out coming out now saying it's true. But whether or not that's true, who really knows? And it's the same thing with the Russian investigation of Trump when he was in office. You know, ah, again, to me, it seemed like a witch hunt. It really did. And, you know, I guess we'll never know the truth because there's so much spin coming from both parties. But the one thing I would like to see is if if there was an investigation of Trump and there was such media coverage of Trump and Russia, why are all of the networks not even paying attention to the stories of Biden and his son? And I mean, again, you've got the FBI reporting that there was truth to this. You've got the computer, you've got emails, you've got a lot of evidence. To me, it just seems like if we're going to be a responsible country, you need to 
you know, let the let the sword cut both ways. You need to be fair and honest both ways. And that's one thing we do not have in this country. We don't have reputable news organizations that tell the truth. You know, both sides spin. You know, in my opinion, the majority of the big networks, um, you know, are pro-Democrat. You've got Fox, obviously, that's pro-Republican. And what I did last night, what was kind of funny, is that I watched uh, Stephanopoulos on ABC after the debate. And I then switched after like probably 15 minutes and switched over to Fox just to see the disparity, you know, disparity between the two shows. And oh my God, Stephanopoulos and all the people he had on slam dunk Trump, you know, Biden destroyed Trump. You know, he solidified uh, his role as the president. He's going to win. Trump can't come back every single point in through the whole analysis. They gave every single win to Biden and Trump did nothing well. So I got kind of annoyed by that because again, you know, I thought it was a fairly close debate, to be honest. I, I didn't think that Trump blew Biden out. I do think he beat him. And I, I'm sure that people that support Biden feel the opposite way. They feel that, you know, Biden probably won. And I get that. Hey, welcome to the show. So, um, you know, what was kind of interesting, I then switched over to Fox News and watched their analysis. Talk about a polar opposite. I mean, talk about just two absolutely different perspectives of the same debate. You watch Fox, and Fox was just point blank. You know, Trump destroyed Biden. They were playing clips of Biden and kind of like laughing at him and things like that. It just shows how the media is so set on dividing us, you know, as a country right now. And it just shows how people have a different opinion. You know, I thought Facebook last night, I was on Facebook, and I thought that uh, Facebook was kind of fair. Yeah, they do. They, they all pander to their base. They totally do. You know, that's exactly what they do. But I thought that um, I thought the moderator, you know, was okay last night. I thought she did a better job than that first clown that did the first debate. But the moderator, you know, I thought she was good. But you know, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I'm just biased to Trump. But when I was watching the debate, to me, it felt like she was constantly interrupting Trump. She did not interrupt Biden at all. I mean, Trump could not really even finish a statement without her interrupting him. And every time there was a subject, she almost every time gave Biden the last word. So again, I know that we were looking at ABC, you know, more of a democratically run media platform, but, you know, looking at the way the debate was run, I mean, she just interrupted Trump constantly the entire debate. And it made it very difficult sometimes to actually hear Trump because she was speaking over him. But when it was Biden started to talk, man, it was like crickets, you know, it was absolute silence. This is kind of what it sounded like, you know, the little cricket sound there, which I like. I've been trying to use some of my sound effects on my new board. But anyway, for, the, for, the, for you guys that are in here, please share my live. You know, Eric, if you want to call in, I'd love to have a conversation with you and hear about uh, what you thought about the debate. And if anybody else wants to call in, I'd love to hear from all of you. So call in, join the panel. Let's have a conversation. It's just kind of a you know, a free uh, Friday, just chatting about whatever we feel like it. And, you know, after I'm done, you know, talking about this, and I'll go in any direction that anybody wants to go in, but I'm going to talk a little bit about a few things that are personal to me about maybe in life, you know, being kind to others and living your dreams in life and things like that. But I'm going to save that to the, you know, for the second half of the show. So, Eric, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good today so far. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I know we had a problem yesterday where your sound wasn't working in the beginning. Well, so, it, well, you, well, you had my volume turned down, so you had to turn it up. Oh, there you go. Okay, no, I had it on. It looks like you just kind of came in. So welcome to the show, Eric. How are you? I'm good. 
That's good. So what did you think? I know you were on the uh, slightly serious uh, watch show last night. And what yeah. was the general consensus? I unfortunately couldn't make it on last night. I had some things come up in my life. Yeah. What was the consensus of everybody in there? Did they feel that Trump won big or did they feel it was close? So what were people saying? Well, I think Trump handled himself like a pro. Um, but, you know, when I think the whole like scandal involving Biden's son was brought up with like the Ukraine and Burisma and, and China and Russia, it, it was obvious, you know, Biden was not giving any straight answers. I mean, Clearly, he Biden knows it that that he has a lot of like conflicts of interest. No, there's no doubt, and I mean there were there were a lot of little takeaway comments. What what was the one comment? I mean, I know this is terrible, and it's not. I, I love. I, there was one comment like where Trump was asking like who built the cages, Joe. Yes, that was it. The the one what was the, the quote that Trump said was yeah you did nothing for the last eight years but build cages for like young kids. And I know that's awful and it's not something I should laugh about, but the comment was so just, you know, on the mark because everyone's thrown Trump under the bus for this, but it was the Obama administration that built these cages. You know, so it wasn't Trump. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I felt Trump won. Hey, Matt, welcome back. Uh, I felt Trump won. I thought it was a good debate. And Trump did show a lot more restraint. I don't know if they had him on Ritalin or whatever it was, but he certainly wasn't interrupting people as much. Maybe it was, um, you know, maybe it was the, the muting function of the of the microphones. But was I wrong? Did, did you feel that the moderator was interrupting, interrupting Trump a lot more than she was for Biden? I mean, I thought it was constant. Um, I, I would... I would be be thinking, um, you know, like, like could could may have like picked a more like objective moderator in, instead of go, going with going with someone, you know, who's basically gonna get you know abide by marching orders to the traditional mainstream media narrative. But you know, we, we've not only seen that with Chris Wallace and Price. and with Chris Kristen Welker, who was you know moderating this debate. In past debates, we've seen it with Lester Holt. We've seen it with Bob Schieffer. We've seen it with Martha Raddatz. I mean, uh, it just goes on and on. I want to make a comment real quick. I don't know if anyone's listening to T. Price's show. Have you been in the show at all, Eric? Um, I don't go in there very often. Like, you know, I'll, T. Price's yeah. Just Woke Up show. Yeah, for the people that for the people that come into the show, T. Price has a good show. I've been in the show not as much as I'd like, but it's really a very good show, and I've enjoyed it the times I've been in. I think for whatever reason, time-wise, it doesn't work out for me, but when I've seen it, I've popped in, and it's really a very good show. So if you haven't, haven't gotten a chance to check out T. Price's show, and if you want to put it in the chat, T. Price, put the name of your show down so people know of it, and we'll certainly promote it, and I will actually add it whenever I publish a show. I put like a paragraph of names of shows that I really like, and I'm going to add yours to it because I do like your show very much. So, yeah, thanks for joining us today. And for those in here, please share my live. I'd like to fill the live cast. We're going to go for maybe an hour, hour and a half today. You know, fun weekend, uh, Friday, thank God. Um, mm -hmm. I'm ready for it to be Friday. I'm going to be chilling out tonight. Uh, our rock shows at 5 o'clock tonight, and we're just talking about a variety of different issues right now. I'm going to recap the new people coming in. But in the beginning of the show, I just, you know, I talked about – my weekend plans, you know, as usual, a lot of baseball. Tomorrow I've got two baseball games with my kids. My son has a showcase mm -hmm. for baseball, and then my daughter has bowling. Tomorrow night, my wife and I are going to have a little romantic evening playing romantic songs starting at, I think, roughly 7 o'clock. I think I have it scheduled for Eastern time. 
I downloaded uh, an album of the top 25 love songs of all time. And it was funny. I started listening mm -hmm. to the songs, taking little samples. I didn't recognize the names. And every song that came up, I was like, oh, my God, this song rocks. Air Supply, Air, REO Speedwagon, Freebird, right? All that stuff. But I was talking about now, Eric, did you see my uh, my Instagram or my Twitter page of my Halloween decorations? Did you see the lifestyle features I have? Oh, my um, I hadn't had a chance to look at it yet. <laughs> Well, our town has a little Halloween contest where 36 houses have now signed up. It's uh, to benefit, mm -hmm. benefit the schools with money. And I've got like a full-blown Michael Myers, uh, Freddie, and Jason up on my front porch. They're animatronic. They move with like a Thanks for that, T. Price. Yes, thank you, T. Price, for that. I really appreciate that. But, yeah, I, th I think we're going to do very very well in the contest. So if any of you guys follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or the other 8,000 social media platforms I have, check out my Halloween decorations and let me know what you like, you know, if you like them, because we really went all out this year. I'm hoping we do well. But the one thing I'm worried about is people in town come around and vote on which displays they like. And I think that some of the younger kids are going to be too afraid of the display we put up. Like we have severed heads and things like that hanging out in front of the house. <laughs> I think it's awesome, but I can imagine the five-year-olds coming by crying as they go by our house and that might not get us a vote. But uh, anyway, so just, you know, kind of talking again about some of the current events, you know, we've got uh, man, it's only what two weeks away now, Eric, the presidential election. Um, less than two weeks. Yes. Less than two weeks. So now today is the 23rd. So, um, so 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 1, 2, 3. So I'm thinking that's 11 days. 11 days. So election day. And I'll tell you, I was looking at the polls this morning. I check them every day just to see the fluctuations in the polls. Not that I have any faith in presidential polls. I mean, you know, obviously October 29th, uh, 2016, most of the polls were coming out and saying Hillary was winning by double digits, anywhere up to 15% in the polls. And honestly, last time around, you know, election day, I didn't think Trump had a snowball's chance in hell of winning. I thought it was over. I thought Hillary Clinton was going to be our president. And like everybody else, I remember watching the results that night, and Trump kept getting win after win after win, and my, my jaw was dropping. And you have well, to wonder, are we going to see that again this year? Because the polls are tighter. Yeah. They had as high as 14 or 15%. 15%. I'm now seeing yeah. polls range anywhere from seven percent or actually six percent to like nine or ten percent right now so it seems like it's tighter i don't know what's going to happen do you think we're going to have another upset um the way the way i'm seeing it i mean i, I i'm anticipating trump hopefully pulling off um a, a win but but don't know if it's going to be a landslide or if he could win a bigger margin because if you look back at the 2016 election um you know you know, the Dems weren't, you know, counting on Hillary to lose, you know, critical battleground states like Iowa and Ohio, North Carolina and Florida. But usually we keep keep a really close watch on places like Ohio and Florida. But 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 I think the biggest biggest disappointment was when for the Dems was, you know, losing Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin to Trump. Well, it's a good thing. And, Pennsylvania. I think Biden really shot himself in the foot last night. Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Texas, and some of the other states that rely heavily on the oil industry, when he came out and said he was going to shut down the production of oil, I mean, that affects a lot of people. And that comment, if yeah. anything, is going to be something that I think is really going to haunt him in some of those swing states going forward. I see some of the comments. I like Doss saying, I really want Trump to win just to watch the meltdowns. <laughs> Dude, you know. Well, the liberals. But I think the upside about having Donald Trump as president 
is, you know, when it com comes to your career politicians, he's um, cleaning their clocks. And, and I think when November 3rd rolls around, um, you know, and I'm about to drop the S-bomb, like, you, we can probably expect another, another shit show like November 2016 to occur where, where, the, where the traditional mainstream media is going to be proclaiming, but how can this be? I know. Well, you know, the, the, the shit, show, shit storm I'm worried about this time isn't as much the media. And T. Price, I see your comments. Yeah, he could win by a thin hair. I, I could see another scenario where maybe he loses the popular vote but wins in the electoral True. college. I could see that happening. But, but, but I mean, that's, well, but, why, you know, that, yeah. that's why I think you have, when you've had so many illegal immigrants coming into the country, one of the reasons why that happens, I mean, you know, the Democrats, I don't think, are always doing that yeah. out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing that to develop a voter base. So when they're letting in these illegal aliens into the country or illegal immigrants, whatever you want to call them, then, you know, they're going into your inner cities because that's where they can afford to live. They're getting on government programs and then they're getting welfare. They're getting Section 8. They're getting all these different, you know, food stamps mm -hmm. and things like that. And then what do they do? They vote Democrat. So by letting illegal immigrants into this country, then you know they are literally just kind of developing their voter base. So I mean, yeah. the, the founding fathers of this country were very, very brilliant in a lot of different ways. One of the ways oh, yeah. the electoral college, which for a long time I didn't, I didn't agree with, and I didn't understand it until I really studied it and realized that they were forward thinking. They were thinking that if you had, you know. 15 million people living in the city of, of New York City or Los Angeles, you didn't want one state or one city being more important or making the decision over 40 mm -hmm. states. So it kind of gives the Electoral College gives, you know, a state like Wyoming or New Hampshire the same type of chance to affect the election as having, yeah. you know, 10 million Democrats in one city, you know. Yeah. Well, because you have to remember that, like, for example, Wyoming is the least populous of all the 50 states, whereas California is the most populous because California, they've got 55 electoral votes. That is a representation of the 53 House seats and the two U.S. senators. And in Wyoming, you know, like the only House seat and the two U.S. senators there. So, so basically a way to describe that is that Wyoming could tip the scale in their favor and and you would probably have like a state like California saying, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, and the, um, the thing you is know, and, and our founders were years, if not decades, or centuries ahead of their time because because they they predicted that this would happen. They were brilliant. I mean, just brilliant people. And you know, I, I, the, the one thing that sucks for me about the electoral college, I mean, it doesn't really suck, but you know, I live in Massachusetts, which is very similar to California. Our delegates will always go Democrat. So mm -hmm. if I vote for Trump, my Trump means you know, my vote for Trump means nothing. And my, my wife was going back and forth last night. Hey, Nesting, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming in. My wife was going back and forth last night. She's saying, you know, I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for. Will it be Biden? Will it be Trump? Honestly, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll see Massachusetts. Well, the final results will be like Biden 62 percent, Trump 30 percent. I mean, it'll, it'll be a blowout in the state. And California is very similar. So that, that's the one negative mm -hmm. the electoral college when in some cases when you're in a state that's highly Republican or Democrat, then your vote in the opposite direction just doesn't really matter because the delegates are going in one direction. But I know that there are certain states that also give, I think, a portion of delegates to whoever comes um, based on percentages, right? Um, the, the, the two states that, with their electoral votes, that utilize the congressional district method, 
you know, whereas the other 48 utilizes the winner-take-all approach. The states in question are Nebraska and Maine, and we saw in, in 2008 when Obama won that four of Nebraska's five votes went to McCain, whereas one vote went to Obama because he had won, won a majority of the vote in that congressional district. And we saw it again in 2016 with Maine when Hillary won only three of that state's four votes. Um, hey, welcome, Dawes, but welcome back in. Hey, now let me ask you this question. Are you concerned at all that, I guess either way, I mean, if, 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 if Biden happens to lose, I think right now you look at a lot of the Democratic voters out there, they believe that this is over again. They have a short memory. They don't remember what happened in 2016. So if Biden loses, and let's say he wins the popular vote but loses again in the Electoral College, do you think that the groups, and I don't want to say Black Lives Matter. That's not fair. I would say more like Antifa, some of the left-wing hate groups. Are they going to take to the street and start burning down cities and rioting? If Biden loses and Trump wins again, and welcome to everybody coming in. Thank you. Well, please, um, Joe, if you could, I'd appreciate you sharing it. And if you're new, please give me a follow. I'd appreciate that as well. But what do you think? Do you, th do you think there are going to be riots if Trump happens to win again? Well, um, I know that's a very interesting question, but you know, I, I would think probably yes and no, but but that really depends on who you ask. And um, but I'm I know in 2016 you you had. A lot of protesters, you know, marching to the streets, chanting, not my president. And and I think what people fail to realize is wh whether you vote for him or, or not, I mean, he's still still your president, whether you like it or not, because people have got to remember at the end of the day that this election, like every other election, is going to have consequences. And, and you're going to have elected officials, you know, who um, are going to are going to make big promises to the voters. But when they. But when, but the moment they get a, when when that election gets sworn in, you, you can most certainly bet a major, the vast majority of them are just gonna go back on their promises because, you know, like slightly con congressional, you know, co congressman friend once told him is, you know, when you're ele elected to a government position, you're technically not there to re re represent what's best for your constituents. You're there to raise money for your political parties. Well, you know, T. Price makes a good comment. And welcome to the show. I just saw, I think it's uh, Sue Bagger. I can't really see it. I'm sitting back from my computer. But T. Price is right. I think that, you know, it does help keep the attention off of what's really going on in our country. That's something we've, we've talked about over and over again here that we feel very strongly that, you know, again, this government, whoever it may be, when you say the government, you know, quote unquote, the government, you know, who is that? I mean, that is, in my opinion, it's greater than just the government. You know, it, you've got the wealthy few that run this country you know mm -hmm. you've, you've got the government officials that work with the wealthy few that run this country and they definitely you know use the art of war sun tzu divide and conquer they've divided the american people we're fighting over black mm -hmm. and white. fighting over abortion we're fighting over you know a variety of different issues and while we're fighting over these different henpecked issues that they've given us to fight over we're divided as we've ever been and they're stealing stealing money in the background you've got Yesterday, just alone. I mean, I'm sure Trump's done the same thing, but you look at Biden, you know, he got three and a half million dollars. He got a 10 percent bonus from Hunter Biden in China when he when he created that deal. And Biden, as vice president of the company, made three and a half million bucks. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a capitalist. I love making money. You know, my wife and I are both capitalists. Uh -huh. We like making money. We like having financial security. But damn, when you're the vice president of the country, you can't be taking payoffs from other countries. Okay. But, you know, I do think I do think that if Trump wins, 
I think it's it could get ugly. I really do. I hope, like um, Doss said, that maybe things will be shut down quickly by the government. But they, they, they weren't shut down this time. And we watched what happened in Portland and other places where individual states were refusing help from the president. But now to flip the question yeah. over, now we could talk about both. If Biden wins, do you think the Republicans or the right riot? Because I'm just trying to get a scale on how you people- know, I would. I, I do think the Democrats. I would, would hope that would not be the case, but but I think the way I look at it is, regardless of whoever wins, the the radical left will never be pleased, no matter what, because th- clearly it's like something is just fundamentally wrong with them, you know, and and it's like they they probably just can't stand to look at themselves in the mirror every day and ask themselves, why am I doing this? And I would also like to rehash a quote, like a tweet from late August, early September from Twitter user Chicago One Ray, which I think is perfectly relevant in regards to this in any election cycle. And he stated, polls are intended to create news. They are not intended to reflect opinion. Pollsters oversample Democrats as a means of getting their coffers filled. Polls don't factor in voter enthusiasm, which heavily favors Trump. Could this be 1984 all over again? I got to ask you a question about that now. Did you have that written written down? Or did you just pull that from the Alexa memory banks? Um, I, I I saved that screenshot right there in the event that that Twitter decided to go in and 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 mysteriously make that tweet disappear the same way they made slightly's antifa.com tweet disappear. Did they really? They made that disappear? Uh, yeah, and, and I yeah they they're, they're being like selective because obviously if you if you go to antifa.com it'll direct you to the biden harris campaign website and i managed the day that, that slightly posted that tweet to record a screenshot video and i can send it to you on twitter and you would know what i'm talking about and sky news australia picked up the story too and posted on youtube if youtube hasn't already you know took it down well let, let me let me throw this at you you want to talk about censorship now i mm-hmm. run a facebook page uh called the pussification of america some of you may have seen that If you have coming across your Facebook uh, feed, that's me. I believe I have, I think, 71,000 followers or likes or however it adds up. And I was posting, you know, obviously I'm a Trump guy. I was posting a lot of anti-Biden stuff. I was posting a lot of things about Trump. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere on Facebook about two months ago, I got a private message from Facebook telling me they are limiting the exposure of my page to the people who follow my page because of my posts. So when I was posting things back, you know, three, four months ago on really good posts, I'd get over a thousand likes. And even on an average everyday post, I would get, you know, easily two, 300 likes, 400 likes on any of those different posts that I would put on my page, the pussification of America. So now that they have emailed me, I'm not allowed to boost posts anymore. And when I post something now, I'm lucky if I get 10 to 15 likes. So I went from getting over a thousand uh-huh. likes on certain things I posted with literally thousands of shares across Facebook to getting maybe 15, 10, 15, 20 likes in like four or five shares. So Facebook literally went into my page and they shut down my ability to spread information that was pro Trump to Facebook followers across the country. So I know that there have been a lot of things with censorship on Twitter, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. I mean, Jesus, what what happened? What happened to free speech? I mean, we are supposed to have freedom of speech in this country. You know, and and Facebook 
platforms where people should be able to share their speech and they are prohibiting half of the population to be able to do that. And it's just not right. Well, it's not right in a free country, you know? Well, I think the, the term in question we're look at, looking at here is called fascism. And yeah. you might as well just call Facebook what it is, fascist book. It is. It is. It's one of those things. Facebook, I friggin' hate it, but I love it. You know, I'm, a, I, I'm on it. Not as much as I used to be, but I'm still on it. And it's funny. I'm, I'm on it in a different way. I'm a poster on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I'll get on my page really quickly. I have a picture. I think it's funny. I post it and then I get off. But then I've got my wife, who's the opposite. She never posts anything, but she's the creeper. She's always on, like looking mm-hmm. at posts constantly. Doesn't like many posts, but it's always kind of checking out what's happening. So I'm a poster and my wife's a creeper on Facebook. But you're right. It is definitely, if they're taking away our ability to share communication with others, then it's fascism, it's communism. You're a creeper too. <laughs> I, my, my, wife, my wife gets pissed when I say that, but it's true. She creeps. So. But you're right. I mean, F- Facebook is, um, you know, Facebook and Twitter, it, it disgusts me that they block things. I mean, they should let the truth get out. I mean, I, I get if you want to fact check things. I mean, if I'm out there posting things that are obviously untrue, those things should be removed. But there are a lot of things that Democrats post that are untrue that they leave up. So if you're going to do it again, kind of like the media, make it yeah. fair and police it both ways, you know. And uh, I don't yeah, know. And um, I would I would even encourage people to to really give, give the these um, terms for thought, double standard, and selective moral I outrage. I lost you for a second, Rick. Could you repeat that again? You broke um, up. I mean, two two different terms yep. for people to think about. One is called double standard, and the other one selective moral outrage I, I i would probably like for people to let those words sink in no it's true i mean it is true we're living in a crazy time right now in our country i've never seen anything like this and i guess some of the questions i have i mean i would love to think that no matter who wins whether it's biden whether it's trump i mean it's going to be obviously one of those two none of the third party candidates have a chance but um if if regardless of who wins i would really love to see the, com- the country find a way to become more united again. But I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. The two parties are so against each other. They're so at each other's throats. You've got the media that plays such a big part in everybody's life. It's, it's almost impossible to unite, I think, everybody in this country. And unfortunately, I think it's going to go further and further down the rabbit hole. And I'm not sure what the end is actually going to be. Is it going to be follow, you know, the complete failure of our government? Are we going to have to create a new government in the U.S.? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future, but I certainly, I'm certainly concerned for our country. I'm worried that our country is going down or going in a direction where we're not going to be able to solve the country's problems at a certain point. And maybe we're there already. We may already be in that place where we're too far gone at this point and people are so separated that it's, uh, you know, it, it's something that we can't recover from. Now, I see T prices yeah. come. Why selective moral outrage? Morals are morals if you have them. Can't be hot and cold at the same time, my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair opinion. Yeah, that's a fair opinion, I think. Hey, Mizzy, right. welcome to the show. And Drishya, welcome to the show. And for anybody that's in here, please share my live um, midday show today. I'm sure people are having lunch and doing their thing. But if you could give me a share, I'd appreciate it to hopefully lure a few people into the live. But, Eric, so uh, yeah. let me ask you on a personal level. We've been talking about Trump Pence. What are you doing for the weekend? You got any big plans? You just going to be... Hanging out at home, or what are you doing? For the Mostly week? hanging out at home as usual, and unless you know something interesting comes up. But 
are you are you dating anybody? I know that you were kind of playing. not not at this time. No, still just kind of being single. Yeah. Um, you know, you know and, and then probably another example of like selective moral outrage and double standards I can think of is look, like look at like the whole like Me Too movement and um, and sexual abuse and sexual harassment claims that have like come really like out of the woodwork and we've we've seen this in you know in in Hollywood and in in the in the newsrooms you know where you know where um oh and we've even seen it in politics like you know Trump Trump beha- behaving ba- badly beh- behind closed doors but and and how he's been so vilified and mis- mistreated but then look look at how you know Tara Reid who for the record is not a Trump supporter you know, has alleged Biden of, of harassment, but, but, but she's basically been shamed and vilified and ridiculed because we, we can't, can't have, you know, Biden being shamed for inappropriate behavior. You know what upsets but, me? You know what upsets me about this, Eric, is, you know, you talked about the Me Too movement, okay? Now, the Me Too movement is something where I know that a lot of people seem to be using this politically. So mm-hmm. you, you have people... You know, making comments about the Me Too movement. You have people. You're throwing that uh, that hashtag at Trump. You have people throwing that hashtag at Biden. But the one thing, unfortunately, in my opinion, that gets lost in all the political posturing with the Me Too movement is the number of women in our society that have been sexually abused over time. I mean, we yeah. have we have an epidemic. We talked about the other day the epidemic of bullying in society. I mean, we. Yeah, and um, hold on. We, and we, another we, example is finish. like the Circle of Heart and Agape School. Eric, Eric let me finish, okay? Sorry. Right. So it's okay. So one of the things that we that we need to really think about is the number of women in this country that have been abused over the years. I mean, women are being abused constantly by men, and it's something that's happened. Now, I know that there are women out there that you know have been not truthful about things and men get blamed for things that don't happen. I mean, that certainly does happen. But I think the vast majority of women that do report these crimes, you know, it's been happening for year after year after year. And it's something that, you know, I, I don't like seeing politicians posturize, you know, posturing with this. And I think people really need to look at the Me Too movement and understand that, you know, for men that are here, we need to be stepping up for our women and making sure we're supporting them when we find out that maybe some of them have been abused over time. So that's something that we all need to think about. But you know, you were, you were going down the road of some of the shows I've done. Um, yeah. made a good comment also, because Eric, I'll let you mention, mention your comment about the shows we've done, but the boy Scouts, man, I mean, the boy Scouts, the Catholic church, not just girls have been abused. I mean, a lot of boys have been abused. Also, all the boys in the Boy Scouts over the years that have been abused, mm-hmm. all the young altar boys in the Catholic Church that have been abused. And you tie that into, you know, seeing things like Epstein's Island, about Harvey Weinstein, all, all these different people that have been serial pedophiles in society. Mm-hmm. I mean, something needs yeah. to be done to stop this. So go ahead and say what you're going to say. I just wanted to finish my comment. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Um Okay. Um, but like, for example, like the uh, Agape School for Boys and the Circle of Hope Ranch, of course, that I know you and Amanda did, you know, went through the trouble and, and of, you know, and, and risking a lot to, to expose something that was really going on in society. Because it's not just not just women, but you have you have men, men who are, are harassed and you have young young children, you know, who do not have a, have a voice or their voice is just not loud enough. And then. 
you know, and I think the way this Me Too movement has been so politicized, it's like legitimate abuse victims and survivors are not being taken seriously. It's almost like they're being abused again. I mean, they're coming out with yep. their stories, and then it's being used for political gain. And you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I, I was sexually abused, and now I'm being raked over the coals and being used in a political campaign. So you're right. It's like a second wave of being abused mm-hmm. again. I mean, you've got these young girls that have been abused. You know, young boys have been abused, and you hate to see it. The, the more you look into what's happening in yeah. the higher echelons of society where you've got, you know, Epstein and all. And, and again, I'm not going to make this political. You had Democrats and Republicans on that, on that island. You had both sides going to that island. F- I mean, flying on those airplanes and going there. So they, cause they knew they were going to be with young girls. They knew exactly why they mm-hmm. were going. And it was something that was deemed okay by the, by the wealthy. I mean, you had, you know, again, I'll, I'll point out Clinton because Clinton was on the flight logs 26 times. 26 mm-hmm. times now there were reports of a lot of republicans that were on that island too and shame on all of them shame on all of them that this was allowed i mean people yeah. of power knew that this was happening and nothing was done to stop it the same thing with the catholic church people knew yeah. that the abuse was happening for many 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 years and what the church would do is if someone was abusing a boy they would go in They would move him from that organization, that church, that school, whatever it may be, and would put them in a different place. And so they they were moving the problem around. And, you know, when, I guess, as a society, are we going to start defending our most precious resource, which are the children that we have, stop allowing Mm -hmm. abuse to happen like this? You know, it's just crazy to me, Eric. Yeah. And I I recall that you've even told, like, a very personal story, too, from like from when you were in school and you remember classmates um I'll tell it again in one noble instance witnessing with your own eyes and ears um I've got people in here right now that haven't heard the story I'll tell you the story I'll make it quick I went to an all-boys catholic high school now I was a football player I was captain of the football team I was a big guy um I was struggling in an advanced math class I didn't need it for college so I was going to drop the class so I went to my guidance counselor and said listen I'm going to you know drop this class, I don't need algebra two or whatever it was at the time. And he said, listen, if I could pull you out of class and put you in with a tutor for a week or two and we could get you back up to speed, would you stay in the class? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a shot. Why not? So there were three people struggling, me, another football player who was a really big guy, and then this other guy who was more demure. He was a little bit more feminine than the two of us definitely were. So we went into the class, and this teacher was amazing. He'd have us up on the blackboard back in the day. It was a blackboard, but had us up on the blackboard doing our work and would talk us through everything, and I, he got me up to speed in a very quick amount of time where I understood exactly what I needed to do. So all of a sudden, after like a week and a half, this other guy, I won't mention his name, comes up to me and the other football player and says, hey, you know, brother's been touching me. Now, um, I don't even know how old I was, 17 years old at the time. You know, I looked at him and I, I kind of laughed and the other guy laughed and we're just like, you know, we weren't meaning to demean him. But we were just like, come on. No, he isn't. You know, stop it. You know, not thinking that that would ever happen in any scenario. Right. So he told us again and, we, you know, we just kind of like laughed it off. Didn't even think about it again. So we came back in for a test uh, maybe like three or four days later. And it was me and the other football player, my good friend who I'm still friends with today, sitting in the front row. And the other gentleman, the other young man was sitting behind us, kind of like in a triangular pattern. So I'm taking my test, doing my work, you know, moving through it pretty well. All of a sudden, I hear the kid behind me just start saying, brother, brother, stop it. Brother, no, 
brother, stop. So I turn and look, and my the other football player turns and looks. We see this old man. He was probably, who knows, 80 years old at the time. He had his hand between the kid's legs. He was rubbing his penis, rubbing his crotch. The kid was grabbing his hand and trying to pull it away. And the brother was breathing heavily and like panting and everything else. It was disgusting. So, uh-huh. you know, we're, we're in there. We're like, holy shit. So the class ends. We go out in the hallway and, you know, keep in, keep in mind, this was a pretty strict Catholic school back in the day. And we had this disciplinarian uh, principal who was a big, scary guy. And, you know, they could hit you in this school and shit like that. So, you know, you were kind of afraid to go see him. So I talked to the other guy. I'm like, what are we going to do? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, listen, we got to do something. We can't let this go. So he and I went down to the principal's office. We're late for our next class. Obviously, we we got it. We told the secretary we need to have a meeting with brother so and so. So we finally got the meeting and we told him exactly what happened. This guy's face turned beet red like he was going to explode. And he said, listen to me. You don't tell anybody what you just told me. I'm going to handle this. So he stormed out of the room. We never saw that brother again. And then to fast forward 20 years in the future, my father mm-hmm. called. I don't live in the area anymore. My father calls me and he says, hey, John, I just saw in the newspaper that a kid is coming out at your old high school saying that he was molested by one of the priests. This is his name. It was the name of the kid that I knew. So the school was denying it. They were saying it never happened. You know, they were making him look foolish in the newspaper. So I emailed the new headmaster of the school, a different person altogether. And I just said, hey, listen, brother so-and-so, this is my name. I'm John DeVito. I graduated this year from high school. I was made aware of what's being said in the local newspaper. I want to let you know, I was in that classroom. These are the three people that were in the classroom. This is the name of the teacher that was in the classroom. This is what happened. This is what who, what happened to to him and i want to let you know that even though you may not have been there at the time this in fact did happen to this young man and i said right in the email i said listen i don't want any money i don't want anything i'm not looking for anything from you or the school i have good memories from the school and i love my time there but you as the headmaster need to know that this in fact happened shortly after that this whole thing went away and i remember one night Uh i was hanging with a friend here in town and i was telling him the same story that i just told all of you and he said, did you ever think that maybe by you going to the headmaster, they settled out of court with this kid? And I said, you know what? I never thought of that because it went away out of nowhere. So maybe you know, this new headmaster did not know what had happened. And I kind of put it in writing what happened. Maybe that caused them to pay him. Now, I, I didn't think it was right for him to go after money. I mean, money's not going to solve issues, but I guess that's a good way to maybe at least get some type of closure on what happened to him. But I, I saw it happen. And to be in that room and to witness it, you know, it didn't go far. I mean, the kid wasn't naked. I mean, nothing really happened to him in that way. But what happened to him was traumatic. And I'm sure it was traumatic for him for a very long time. So I did witness, you know, sexual abuse in that way. And it was terrible. So, you know, um, I don't know. So that, that's just my story. I didn't mean to go into that long of a story. But, yeah, you know, you're right. I think God does have a special place for these type of people. But I guess the scary thing is, too, you know, the people that have had this happen to them, the people that have been molested over time, it may also be that they're caught in a cycle of being molested. Maybe this guy was molested, and maybe the guy that molested him was molested. It seems like it's something that kind of carries on you know, over and over and over again. So I, I don't know. It's just a very sad thing that uh, is happening in this country. But, I mean, th- th- you mentioned the Me Too movement, and we went down this rabbit hole of different things that uh, you know that have happened. Yeah. But, 
Now, have you ever experienced anything like that? Have you known anybody, Eric, that was molested? Have you ever seen it happen? I mean, I don't want to ask you if it's happened to you. That's up to um, you to like about. I have like a I have like family mem- members like like from a few years ago. I won't name names. Like um, they were like that they were like cousins, but not not the the exact same generation. They were like um, I think like second cousins once removed. Um, um, you know, and like the you know the the rape victim was like thirteen at the time, and and the and the suspect was like eighteen at the time, and but and I think the the thirteen year old girl, you know, you know pursued him, and instead of him pursuing her, and 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 it wound up producing a child, and but in the eyes of the law, you know, what what the the bad behavior that they that that ha- occurred was illegal because right. at thirteen years old you're not old enough to consent. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. But I, but both of them grew up in very abusive like household environments, you know, and you know where there was a lot of like like drug activity and you know and all sorts of physical, mental, and emotional abuse. Well, you know, I recently I recently watched the movie Lost Boys. I'm not sure if you've seen that movie before. Good movie, mm-hmm. and that was one of the many movies that Corey Ham and Corey Feldman started together. Oh yeah, you know, in the 80s and 90s, they were huge. They were in like every movie together. Two young, charismatic young guys that were just, you know, really fun to watch in movies. They were in the Burbs together, you know, License to Drive, all these different movies. And they were they were just great in every movie. So you hear the story about, you know, Corey Feldman had a lifetime full of drug addiction. And Corey Haim, same thing, lifetime full of drug addiction. And he eventually took his life. So I started reading a little bit on some of the things that Corey Feldman has said over the years. And he was deemed by Hollywood as being nuts, being crazy, very similar to Mel Gibson about some of the comments he's made. And I correlate that to sports when Jose Canseco came out and said all of Major League Baseball was doing steroids and everybody laughed at him. And then we found out that everybody was doing steroids in Major League Baseball. He didn't look so silly. So Corey Feldman came out and said that the molestation of young children in Hollywood is rampant. It happens everywhere. It's known it happens. And what happened to Corey Haim was he was raped numerous times as a young child. What would happen is parents would drop off their kids at the movie studios. They're going to work. You would leave them with the directors and producers, not imagining anything like that would happen. And there was even a very particular story about Charlie Sheen apparently raping Corey Haim. And it was Corey Feldman has talked about this in front of other people. And uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but it was something that Corey Feldman reported. And that was the primary reason why Corey Haim eventually became addicted to drugs and eventually took his own life. And you hear stories about this, like also you mentioned on the other show, you know, Carol Ann from the Amityville Horror. Same thing there, young girl. Carol Ann of um, Poltergeist, you mean? Poltergeist, I'm sorry, from Poltergeist. Her, the actress in question was was a young 12-year-old girl named Heather O'Rourke. Um, but but her cause of death was cardiac arrest due to um, um, in, intestinal stenosis, stem, septic shock stemming from intestinal stenosis. She had... You know, she had like a colon blockage when she died, but, right, but so about a year before she died, she she was misdiagnosed as having Crohn's disease. And then there was also a former child actor who's bounced in and out of rehab who who alleges that that she that Heather work may have been murdered. Yeah. Um. And they and that and that the, and that Hollywood studios paid off the Kaiser Permanente doctors, you know, to misdiagnose her as as having something. That yep. she didn't really have. 
I saw that story also. It's crazy stuff to see. Hey, T Price, I just saw your comment. I want to talk about that. I love that you guys are going. Hey, Lawless. Hey, welcome to the show, Lawless. Um, so you and your wife are going ghost hunting this weekend because now next week I'm doing a bunch of Halloween themed shows. Would you come on to my show next week and maybe talk about your experience ghost hunting? Because I'm going to do a bunch of Halloween themed shows. I would love to have you on. So my schedule will be posted. Feel free to come in, call into any show. But that's something I've always wanted to do. I would love to go ghost hunting. One of the shows I'm doing next week, like I'm doing one on you know the best horror movies of all time. I'm doing another one on serial killers. I'm doing another one about um, haunted houses, kind of like the Amityville Horror House, um, the Lizzie Borden House, H.H. Holmes's Hotel of Murder in Chicago. So I'm going to be talking about all those different things. Do you live in a haunted house now? That is so cool. Hey, if you want to call in, I don't know if you're able to, but if you want to call in and yeah. talk about some of the stuff that you're experiencing right now, I would love to hear if you've seen ghosts, heard ghosts, because I am completely a believer. Hold on. Let me click you in here. This is going to be awesome. I'm excited to hear this. All right. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, John and Eric? How are you guys doing today? Doing great, man. I'm doing, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. And I just want to say thank you for plugging our show in. Uh, first thing, I really appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. I also share the love of your show as well throughout the, through my patrons and, and, and whatnot. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. We, you live in a haunted house now. Yes. Yeah, so I bought cool. this house uh, back in January of this year, um, and we did a little research on the house. It was built in 1907. Um, it's a Sears and Roebuck catalog house. Okay. Really? It's um, I can't remember the exact, it's like the executive or executor uh, model, but the blueprints were flipped backwards, just to kind of give you a little background. Uh, it was one of the first houses actually built on this street that we live on now uh, by one of the um, upper farm farmers, more um, well-known farmers here in the area. Mm-hmm. And um, when we first moved in, we were like, man, it, it, the house is set up. Like if you'd walk into an old uh, funeral parlor, okay? Um, huge, well, it's a real narrow, it's big, but it's narrow. And it, 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 the, the front room is when you first walk in, the fireplace is at the end. It's not set up like a traditional front room, if you would. And you walk into the dining room. It has this huge oval opening where it looks like, you know, the uh, the old English doors would be, Okay. But there's no doors. It's just an opening in a huge cabinet built into the wall that has two glass uh, cabinets on each side, a lower section. We, it, we've made it a coffee stand now. But um, it has a full basement. Okay, um, When I say full basement, there are three separate rooms underneath the house. that are It's all concrete, brick wall, everything. Um, and there's a drainage system uh, in the floor. And there's two, what I thought was two septic systems, okay? Um, and so we inquired a little bit more um, during the last, you know, first few months or whatever and tried to get as much information. Um, and we found out that there were, I'm going to say, and I'm using air quotations, some workers that were here. And a couple of them were actually killed on the property. Um and but yet their bodies were never found. So were they were they uh, killed building or were they murdered? Mm, good question. Sure. Okay. <laughs> the activity. Okay, so I use um, it, it's called 
Oh my, uh, Necrophonic is one of the apps that I use. Okay. okay. Um, I also use another uh, EMP, an EVP reading uh, device as well. But a lot of the information that we've been giving given that way has told us that um, there was a machete used. Wow. Um, one was poisoned, but they were both buried here on the property. One at the front of the property, one at the back of the property. Holy crap. Again, back in the day, there wasn't a road out here, really. There was just a little little trail that led through here, which eventually became the street that we live on now. But it was yeah. one, one of the very first ones of only like 15 houses that were actually here in, in our little town. Okay. <laughs> um, the things that have been going on in the place, and it, you know, during the past couple of weeks, it's actually getting a little more, we're, we're having more activity and more activity as we, as we go on. I think it's probably the full moon or perhaps it's just, uh, you know, a little op more open-mindedness of, of what the month actually uh, kind of means. Right. If you will, being October. But, um, there are things that play with our cats. Now, our cats are kind of weird anyway, they, they, or so we thought. They would sit and look at the walls and just and stare at the walls. And there's nothing here, right. not a thing. They'll sit and stare at the walls. My wife and I were sitting, at the, uh, sitting in the front room, and we, we don't use the fireplace. It actually was converted over into a gas uh, fireplace, which we plan on converting it back to wood burning. But anyhow... Over close to the fireplace, we have a basket of our cat's toys, okay? Now, um, my cat, which is Callie, was laying across my lap, and Chongo, which was the, is the larger cat, was in on the cat tower in the dining room. We hear the cat's toy. It's, it's one of those little mice that squeak when you shake it or move it yep. about. Yep. This thing came up in the air and flew across the room. Did it really? Flew across the room. I'm like, what the hell? Wow. Okay. I was like, well, maybe the wind or maybe the cat snug or, you know, something. It was just kind of, yeah, okay. Shortly after that, within 30 minutes, I got up to go turn the dining room light off, and there was a shadow standing in the stairway. <laughs> in the stairway. Oh, I turned the look, and it's gone. And, I'm, I, you know, I, I have excellent peripheral vision. Hey, Gray. We're hearing from Tom talking about the haunted house he lives in. This is pretty cool. So go ahead, Tom. It's Toby, actually. Toby, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right, you're you're good. And I turned to look, and there's nobody there. And I was like, Diana, did you just go? She's like, no, I've been sitting right here. Now, our daughter lives in the house as well. She lives upstairs, and she was they weren't even home. I'm like, okay. Go to sick back down. My wife goes to bed. I'm sitting there watching. Uh, I'm watching some movie. I turned to the right, which was a little stand next to my chair, to get my water. I turned to look at my water to go to grab it, and it flies from my table to behind me where the front door is. So literally the glass of water or whatever you had it in. Yeah, the bottle of water. Room, the bottle flew, of water. Flew to the back of behind me, oh, and I'm God. like, okay. <laughs> and here more recently, like this past uh, couple of days, there's been our, our door has closed by itself. Uh, which we keep our bedroom door open, which leads right into the dining room. I mean, the, the living room. Yeah. Um, and last night, um, Diana's feet, she would take and cover her feet. Something kept pulling the covers off of her feet and touching her feet. That's happened to me before. I mean, something yes. similar. Wow. 
And somebody keeps sitting. Now, her mother, um, God rest her soul, has passed away some some many years ago. But I, I feel that her mother speaks to me in my dreams at times. And think of me as crazy if you'd like, but I, no, I no just get these little messages. And, and I've confirmed over with Diana. She's like, oh, how do you know it's her? And I'll tell her things that she said. She's like, oh, my God. Only my mother would say that. Wow. And I've, I've given her comments that her mother used to say to her when she was younger. She's like, oh, my God. So I'm like, you know, I'm not just making this crap up. I believe but you. When her mother comes, I usually, it feels like a presence sitting beside me, like a mother would to, you know, console you or, you know, comfort you. Well, past two nights, someone is sitting at the foot of our bed. Now, we have, um, it's a, a medical bed. It's a, it, it raises up in the back, you know, it moves around. Um, and it's really high off the ground. Um, and so you, Diana has to jump in. I have to kind of, you know, step up a little bit to get up in it. But somebody sits just like they're really tall and just sits on the foot of the bed. And I'm like, um, there's somebody here. That's crazy. There's definitely somebody here. And our cabinets never stay shut. We can't keep the cab doors shut at all. So we just have to leave them open. Um, and the whatever it is, most of, I think there's a you, couple of little kids. You ever feel threatened by the spirits in your house? No, no, that's good. No. See, I'm I'm part Cherokee, and and I'm I'm a firm believer: a strong spirit with a strong mind leaves the weak ones away. You know. I see Jeff Doc. I'd have to move. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. I, I I gotta tell you. I mean, when you're done, I gotta tell you my experience. I had something very similar when I bought my grandmother's house. It was built wow. in the early 1900s. I had some really creepy things that happened in that house. I'll tell you about that when you're done. But um, we, we've been using, okay, so we live close to Chatsworth, Illinois, okay? Yeah. Uh, you can Google it about the train wreck what, that happened in, what what year did the train wreck happen, babe? Uh, hold on, I actually have the book here. Um, it's a train that never, it was, uh, oh my goodness, brain fart, sorry. Fuck <laughs> a fox. Hey, and, believe me, I'm an old man. I the brain farts all the time. They can become uh, more and more frequent, unfortunately. I know. I'm almost 50. So, But anyhow, uh, Chatsworth, Illinois, there was a train wreck that happened in the 1900s. I can't remember exactly the year. But uh, we did pretty close. And we've actually gone to the area. Now, they've since then filled it in and, and made it, you know, there's not a bridge there anymore. But um, there's been a lot of activity since then, and we use our, our app. We have a couple of apps that we use, um, not these free ones, because I think the free ones are they're garbage. They just give you what you think you want, you know. But we've actually paid for applications that actually work that have been recommended by other um, pro ghost hunters. And we've actually gotten quite a bit of activity, not only from there, but from here in the house, of ones who I believe are stuck in this area and passing through. I mean, can you tell how many different spirits or entities live in your house? Have you been able to come up with a number or even more information about you know who they are or how old they might be and things like that? At, at the, uh, I believe right now the average is five, okay. but there's there's been up to ten in here. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Just just here in the house. Now, when we went to the Chatsworth uh, train wreck site. Um, there was there was so much activity. We we couldn't keep count. Uh, we we got several names. Um, 
a bunch of them said they were burning. Um, some of them can't find their loved ones. Uh, some of them were, you know, they were disembodied. So you could hear you them. Know, you could hear, uh, like, on one of the devices. Could you hear what they were saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They were coming through. And it wasn't just a static or a white noise. It was clear, like you and I are talking now. It was just so clear. It's oh, yeah, because I've seen some of the shows. I, I watch Ghost Hunters and those different shows, and, the, and you can clearly hear voices. Yes. Sometimes they come up on their, on their, uh, you know, their devices. And let me tell you, when somebody actually says your name, now this is what gets me. I don't care how many times you've done it. Or how experienced you may be in the with you know this type of phenomena, or you know um, with this subject, when somebody from beyond calls your name loud and clear enough for everybody to hear, it wow. will send the hairs standing on the back of your neck, and your goosebumps will raise. Oh yeah, it's Jeez. it's chilling. But that's that's what it's been so far, and, and I really enjoy it. I mean, I think it's it's great that we can, you know, if we open our minds and our hearts and not go, oh, that's just a bunch of crap, and oh, I don't believe in all that there stuff. You know, come on, man. You oh, know, no. I, there's, I, there's a no. here and a beyond on either I realm. Believe. I told you what, what happened to me. Let me tell you this story really quickly. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Back, uh, you know, back in my, I don't know, mid-20s maybe, my grandmother passed away. She lived near Boston in an old house that was built in the early 1900s, and I knew that there were a few people that passed away in that house over the years. So, you know, my grandmother passed, and my family didn't know what to do with the house, so I moved in. I, I was in an apartment at the time. I ended up buying the house. So I'm in the house, and the best way I could describe it is it wasn't like an intimidating feeling, but the house just felt heavy on the inside. You know, it just felt like I, – I don't know how to explain it, but it felt heavy. Right. So I, I'd be living there, and the, now the family room where I would watch TV, it was like a sunken family room, and there were two steps – that went from the dining room down to the family room. And when you walked on them, they would squeak. They were old wooden steps. So I would sit in the family room at night, watching TV, doing whatever. And you would hear all night long, squeak, 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 squeak. squeak. <laughs> like someone was walking up and down the stairs. And the only other time it would do that was when somebody was actually walking on those stairs. Like if I walked on them, it would make that same identical noise. Right. So that was the first thing. It was just kind of creepy. Then one night, I'm sitting in the family room, and it was like an old Victorian house behind me on the couch, on the, my end of the couch, and then on the other end of the couch, there were a couple of wall sconces with you know light bulbs in them, old-fashioned sconces. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of hanging out, and I think at the time, I was thinking about my grandmother. All of a sudden, the wall sconce above me turned on, oh, wow. and I remember just like looking up going, holy shit, why did that just turn on? I mean... I had been going to this house for 30 years. I had never seen a wall sconce turn on in this house. So that happened out of nowhere. And now the creepiest part was this, this is really scary. I lived near Boston. It was, it was kind of a tough city that was uh, maybe 10 miles outside of Boston. Are you so, a Southie? Uh, no, not so, no, other way. No, up in the, <laughs> in Lynn, Massachusetts. But when I say that though, my wife's a townie from Charlestown. So close, not too far away. There you go. Anyway, so uh, I, I was a gun owner. So I had a gun in my bedroom, okay? I went out on a date with who, the woman who's not my wife. It was our first date. And when I was out on the date, someone broke into my house. They Welcome, Harlem. They stole welcome. my gun. They robbed me. And this was the second robbery I had in this house. So I get home that night. My house, you know, everyone went through it, stole my stereo, stole all kinds of stuff. I go upstairs into the bedroom, looked at where I kept the gun. It was gone. So I'm like, fuck. 
So I called my parents the next day. I'm like, listen, you know, this is the second break in I've had. There were weird things happening in this house. I don't know if I can stay here much longer. If you're okay with it, I may list it up for sale. So my mother was like, hey, it's your house. If you want to list it up for sale, list it up for sale. So I was thinking about it. That night I went to bed. Now, my grandmother was almost deaf. Okay, she couldn't hear later in her age. So she had, if you remember the old school, like school bells that like rang like a bell, like an old telephone. Right. That's what she had for her doorbell because she couldn't hear. So it was something where if you pushed it, it would ring until you let go of it. Okay. So I'm laying up in bed. It's two o'clock in the morning. Right. And all of a sudden the doorbell starts going off. Now, the day before I was robbed and someone stole my gun. So someone's laying on the bell, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was, laying on it, laying on it, laying on it. And I'm laying in bed like, fuck, please stop. You know, I don't want to get up and get out there because I was afraid. I thought someone was going to kill me. Someone was trying to break in again. So I finally, it wouldn't stop. I didn't have a phone upstairs. So I go downstairs and I'm, I walk down the stairs, take a right into the dining room. You know, the, the uh, living room that had the two steps was to the left. And I took a right and turned into the kitchen. Now, on the left, there was a door, the kitchen door that led to a long spiral staircase outside the house down to the driveway. So, but there was a shade pulled down over the door, so I couldn't see out the window. So I turned left, and the bell is right there up on the wall. It is ringing very loud right in my ear. So I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I thought saying, you know, who's there? You know, what, what's going on? No one answered. So I lift up the shade. Nobody there. Oh, wow. So I literally, I literally had to take the cover off of the doorbell and unhook it to turn it off. Now, that doorbell had been there for 40 years, and that had never happened once while my grandmother lived there, while I lived there, anytime I've been there. But the night after I was, after I was robbed, someone laid on that bell, and I took that as being a warning from my grandmother that it was time to get out. Mm-hmm. So literally the next day, I called a realtor, had the house up for sale, and sold it very quickly within a couple of weeks and moved on from the house. And wow. uh, those are just the experiences I had. And again, you know, at the time, I was, I was a young guy. I wasn't like a you know paranormal guy. I wasn't even thinking about stuff. And I think it took me a little while to put two and two together as to what was happening in the house. But to this day, I still firmly believe I was having you know, experiences with somebody or some, some entity that was living in the house. I mean, are those things you've heard or seen kind of in your travel when you're out uh, – you're going into houses and doing paranormal investigation. The um, there was a place uh, a few years back. Um, I lived I lived in Galveston. I'm actually I'm originally from Texas, but I live in Illinois now. But um, we moved into these apartments, which um, I'm sure everybody's heard of the hurricane of 1900 that wiped out um, Galveston, the Gulf Coast, basically. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, learned about okay. that. We moved into these apartments and. You know, I love doing old research. Hey, Nida. Nida, welcome. And Doss, that's okay. (laughs) I didn't believe it until it happened to me. I I, I didn't believe in any of it until it happened to me, and I was like, okay. And again, it's never happened to me since. It was just in that house. Maybe it was coincidence, or maybe it was reality. I have no idea. But go ahead, Tom. I told me. I'm sorry. I keep calling you Tom. I had a boss in tents. I see T. Price, and I think of my old boss, Tom. So that's why I call you Tom. (laughs) Toby. All right, go ahead. So um, we found out that there was they were uh, trying to restore this house that which was right next door at the corner, and we were inquiring about it, like you know, how old is the house, et cetera, et cetera, and nobody would really mention anything. A couple of the old people were like, yeah, you just need to stay away from there. You know, it's it's bad news. Um, I I spoke 
with a couple of realtors who give me some uh, information of where I could look about the information on the house. Being as they were rebuilding it, they had to have permits and whatnot. So I followed up with the numbers, the permit numbers and everything, and found out it was actually an orphanage where 22 kids were, they drowned. But mm. technically they were murdered there because back then they tied the kids up to keep them all together, keep them from floating off with the water or whatever, to mm. keep them all in one place. That's but they were killed because the the nun or the teacher died and drugged them down, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to the doorsteps of that house shortly thereafter. And the the guy that was there that met me at the door, he was like, hey, do you need a job? I can't keep nobody here. He says, I had a guy um, broke his back. He fell off the ladder two weeks ago. This and that happened. He had several injuries that happened at the house, and nobody would go to the basement area which is where the kids drowned. Nobody would go to the basement area. I was like, no, I'm not looking for a job. I've got two of them or the, you know, right now. But um, we went there at night, and you were talking about the heavy feeling that you felt. Now, I didn't know how to explain it, but it just felt heavy in the house, you know, the, the atmosphere of the house. Right, like it was a thick, thick right. air. It's hard exactly. to breathe. Something is exactly. sitting on your chest almost. And that's exactly how it felt when we walked through the gates to, up to the front door. It was like somebody was, you know, increasing the pressure around my chest and on my shoulders. And it was so sad. I get, I, I've had this feeling of gloom and, and just sadness rush over me. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't think I need to get, you know, explore this anymore right now. Um, let's, let's wait a little while. And, when we were leaving, I heard this deep growl, not like an animal growl, but like, um, like, like the CGI stuff you see on TV, you know, or for the monsters or whatever. It was just low. Wow. And, and I felt somebody watch. I could feel somebody looking at me or watching me as we were leaving. And from that day on, I never went, you know, especially at nighttime, I would never, uh, walk in front of the house or go by the house. I'd go around the block away from the house. Um, yeah. As a kid, long story short, I had a little train set and we lived in this house in Baytown and the little train was broke. Um, I don't know if I stepped on it or what it, anyhow, it wouldn't work with batteries or nothing. And I just had it sitting up on a little piece of track on my little shelf and one night, it it kept going off. The little horn would toot, and the lights were coming on, and it would go back and forth, back and forth. My mom came into the room several times and said, you need to stop playing with that train. Well, mom, it's broke. I'm not doing anything. I'm laying here in a bed. And on the third time, she come back in, and she says, I told you to stop. She had her belt. She was going to spank me. She thought I was up playing around in the middle of the night. No, ma'am. You know, I back then, you know, you, you got to oh, remember my, my dad took his belt off. I, I knew to get my shit in order in a hurry. <laughs> I remember exactly. Those- <laughs> I said, Mom, I'm not doing it. I'm laying in bed. I hadn't moved. And right at that time, the train let out a little toot, a little toot right behind her. And she turns, she says, Okay, good night, son. She turned and left me there in that room. <laughs> now, being, being the, being the uh, comedian that I am, are you sure that toot wasn't your mother? <laughs> Maybe that's why she, why she bailed, you know? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, she didn't have the granny farts at that time. That, that, that happened later on. 
Let me add, one more thing I want to ask you is um, now next week, I'd love to have you come back on. Tell me about the house you're going to investigate uh, this weekend. And we'd love to hear some of the stories, you know, next week, because I'm doing Halloween themed you know, shows all next week. I'd love to hear, you know, what you experience. So what, what, what's uh, the deal with the house you're looking at this weekend? Well, it's actually a cemetery. It's an old oh, cemetery. cemetery right. with a, I think it was made, um, or they started burying people in the early 1800s, if not a little before. But it's called the Oxable Cemetery. You're brave, and, man. And uh, <laughs> well, it's not the first graveyard. My wife and I, my current wife and I, have gone to. We actually went to uh, Bachelors Grove Cemetery mm-hmm. uh, just a few weeks back, which is uh, just south of Chicago, there, close to Tinley Park. Okay. Um, and uh, we went to that one, and that's supposed to be, in air quotations again, one of the most haunted places, haunted cemeteries, because of all the stories. And that's where uh, the mob used to take and chunk their bodies into the little pond or the creek, in, you know, behind there. Wow. Um, they had satanic rituals go on there. I mean, it's just it's it's horrible when you go there and you see the desecration that's been going on over the years, but. Uh, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of activity. Uh, the only thing that really happened is, and I didn't catch it at first, but I took a video, and um, I'm walking toward my wife because I went around on the outside. There's some trails. You can go along the Dry Creek bed, bread, um, and there's some other stuff. You can, you know, walk around the woods or whatever. But as I'm, she's sitting on this uh, broken tombstone. It's just a big block of concrete sitting. There's no markers on it or anything. She's sitting there, and she has her app going. And um, I'm looking at her and I'm talking. I actually was doing uh, Facebook Live at the time. And I, with my own eye, did not see anybody walking around her, behind her, or anything. We were the only two in the, in the cemetery at the time. And uh, whenever I went back and viewed the footage, somebody actually walked behind her. I mean, you could see it clear as day. And a few people were like, oh, there's a trail back there. People walk back here all the time. But they don't understand. We we were the only ones there. Wow. There was nobody else around there. Hey, welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, um, that's crazy. So, yeah, go ahead. Continue on. And the other thing that happened, and I thought, you know, I was sitting under an acorn tree because I kept getting what I thought were little nuts thrown at me while I'm sitting here. There's a tombstone. This is a daughter, uh, baby daughter or something like that. Um, a lot of people come and bring little gifts, little toys, you know, little trinkets and stuff and put on the tombstone area for this little baby who had passed away, um, you know, many, many years ago. And um, I looked, the last time something hit me in the chest, I looked and it was a rock. Mm. Now, my wife is probably, you know, a good two, three hundred feet on the other side of the cemetery from me. And And again, there's nobody else around. Yeah. Yeah. She lobbed it up. Um, And I'm (laughs) like, I think squirrels are throwing something at me. And I looked, I saw his rock. I was like, no, that's a rock. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a little aggressive. That's telling me I need to get moving on. Um, But uh, this other place, this Oxable Cemetery, uh, Diana, my, my wife, she says that she's been there once before. They only stayed a short time. She said it was, uh, it's definitely haunted. That she she felt presence and actually seen a few orbs. Uh, so, so we're gonna go check that out. Orbs. Now, do you get those on camera, or did she actually just see them with her naked eye? She she saw them on camera as well. Yeah. Hey, and, look, uh, and I did find that. about orbs. You want to explain to Doss what an orb is? Oh, an orb is a, it could be a white or it is, it's a lighted round. Um, it could be a, 
a circle. It's just like a small floating ball of light. It could be blue, red, white. It just kind of depends. Uh, and you see them often floating around sometimes, especially in cemeteries or old places where people have passed that are still hanging around. Uh, <clears throat> these orbs is a spirit, basically. That's uh, you, you don't often associate spirit with just a round circular uh, circle of light. So some people see them as shadows or mist or, you know, smoke That's shadows, if you will. Um, this question, does the color represent uh, kind of like a personality? That's kind of a good, a good question. I believe it does. I personally believe it does. I believe the, some of the white orbs are, are not as bad. Um, if you get into the darker color, colors like the red or um, blue or dark purple, just you know, it also could depend on the atmosphere around you or your your presence, your own spiritual being. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, you've you've got bad spirits, you've got good spirits. So yes, I, I believe the color does make a difference. Yeah, I see Laureen's comment that she. I hope I said your name right, but she said I have a lot of pictures with orbs, which is kind of cool. And actually, this comment really quickly. This made me remember uh, a few years several years after I left my grandmother's house, I was talking about my experiences in there. I drove by the house just to see what it looked like. And they'd kind of renovated the house. They changed it around a little bit. So I was sitting in front of the house, you know, kind of having good memories of my grandmother. And I took a picture of the house quickly with my phone just to kind of remember the house. When I was a kid, there was a little small kitchen window that when we were leaving on Christmas, especially, and whenever we left to see my grandmother, we loved my grandmother. She was awesome. We would leave her house, and my grandmother would always look out this little small window and wave at us, wave goodbye when I was a little kid. And that was something that, you know, I, I still fondly remember that to this day. Mm -hmm. So I took a picture of the house and, you know, didn't even think anything of it. And I think at some point I put it on Facebook, and it kind of blew up a little bit on Facebook. And someone made the comment, John, what's in that small window? And I remember I was like, what do you mean? So I kind of looked at it, and I got, I got the picture and zoomed in on it. There was a face in the small window that oh, my wow. grandmother used to always stand in waving at us. And I've got to find that picture. I've got it somewhere in my, you know, 10 billion pictures on Facebook that I've posted over the last 10 years. But you could very clearly see a face. I mean, it was kind of like a, I mean, you couldn't see her face, but it was like an impression of a face right. that you could see in the window. And it could have been, you know, a trick with lights. I mean, who knows? But when, you know, when someone else pointed it out and I finally looked at it, I'm like, holy crap, that is a face. And to have it be in the same window that meant something to me, you really kind of hit right. me. I was like, crap, is that my grandmother? Holy God. You know, so it was just just strange. So let me let me ask you this question. I mean, you've really got my interest. Um, what caused you to do this? And honestly, I wish we lived closer. I'd go with you guys this weekend if I lived in your area. <laughs> I'd, I'd go. Man, I want to come along with you. But what, what, what caused you to start doing this? What uh, What piqued your interest and made you – get into doing this well um there's family history of um people with gifts i'm just gonna say it like that okay. and um on my um in my ancestry there are there have been um warlocks and witches if you will um good ones obviously but um so i kind of i've always had an interest of the beyond if you will um, not being with them, but being able to communicate to, because I, you know, if my, I'm, I'm one of those that I want to learn more, if, even if it's from somebody else, you know, what do you have to teach me? What can you show me? You know, what can you tell me? Um, and people, 
call it schizophrenia. Um, and, and I've actually gone to a psychiatrist and said, Hey, I'm, you know, am I sick? You know, I'm, I'm hearing this and, and, and this, that, and the other. And I've been clinically proven not to have any kind of mental illness uh, other than bipolar. But anyway, I've always heard. Hey, join the club. <laughs> join the club. I got that one too. <laughs> I, I've always heard voices and, and, and it seems like people telling me, hey, um, to either look out for this person or you shouldn't do this or – you know, if I'm trying to make a decision on something, you know, uh, should I purchase this or that or whatever, whatnot. And I've always felt this presence and people telling me, whispering little things in my ear, you know, little things of wisdom, if you will. And so I'm like, you know, maybe there's something to that. And so I kind of studied into it a little bit to see, you know, if there's actually something that's, that's real or if I'm just fucking losing my head. Pardon, pardon the F-bomb. That's nice. And, you know, because I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to lose my brain. I don't want to lose my mind. You know, is this really going on? And I'm quite sane. I have a college education. You know, I'm, <laughs> but I, be- I believe that they try, they do try to speak to us. I believe it. Help See, us or warn us about situations or life life experiences that may or may not happen, and they actually, if we listen to them, can guide us. And and you know, to the more extremists of you know the Christianity and you know Catholicism and the Buddhism, you know, it could be that other side, the voice of God or voice yeah. of Jesus coming to us in a in a form that we can understand to help guide us. And if we, we don't only listen. Everyone has, I think anyway, I have that little voice. Either either everyone has it or I'm schizophrenic. But everyone <laughs> has a little voice to kind of guide you. And, you know, sometimes you don't listen to it. It tells you maybe what you should be doing and you don't listen. But I've always thought of it this way. I mean, imagine if you had, like, you know, every, everyone on this planet has their own little, you know, computer uh, uploader. So they're uploading, you know, thoughts to you and things like that. So, I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about it from a computer's perspective where you upload information, maybe we all have our little person up there that uploads thoughts and uploads things into our mind. And that's part of, you know, uh, God or whatever, whatever exactly. comes after, you know, what we're here. So I, I thought of, <laughs> I like DOS. My little voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, that the, key thing, the key thing that actually piqued my interest, okay, and this is yep. uh, one of the most <laughs> scariest moments in my life. I'll never forget it for as long as I live. I had two heart attacks. Uh, and the first one, I actually flatlined twice. Uh, in the, hey, old man. Ride. hey, old man, welcome to the show. I want to hear about this. So you flatlined twice. I now, flatlined this, twice. Recently, this bothered me. This recently <laughs> happened to my father-in-law. My father-in-law had a heart attack, and you know, I love my father-in-law. He's a good guy. He died for almost 20 minutes. They kept working on him. They brought him back, and he doesn't have brain damage. He's doing okay now. I mean, his heart function isn't good, but he saw nothing. He saw blackness. He saw nothing. You know, once he felt better, I waited a couple of months and I asked him the question, did you see anything? Did you see a light? And he right. said he saw nothing. So you said you flatlined twice. I flatlined twice. Yeah, what, your, what your experience was. Okay, so the first time, um, it was, uh, if you ever walk into a room that is just dimly lit, but it's, 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 it's peaceful, you feel the most comfortable. Um, I felt as if I were walking or riding an escalator, if you will, or whatever. I, not really walking, because I didn't... I, I really can't say if there was a physical movement or not with my own being. But it felt as if I were moving in a certain one direction, 
the light was warm, welcoming, and the music was just absolutely breathtaking. Now, I, I'm a musician, so that really, you know, stuck with me. The The music was just beautiful, beyond – beautiful doesn't really even attempt to, you know, describe the music that I was listening to, but it was just so – Serene is just awesome. There you go, Freebird. Right, go absolutely, but and then I, I heard the voices. Just not your time. And then I, I woke up and I could. Did you see any loved ones? Did you see anybody like parents, grandparents, anything like that? No, I didn't see anyone. I could feel presence around me, like there were uh, multiple people around me. Um, but I didn't see anyone. It was just like, it felt like a long, dark hall with a with a some type of doorway at the end. Um, and then I heard the voice, and then I woke up. I was in the ambulance, and I felt this sharp pain in my chest. And they they actually had the paddles on me. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the my second father, time, he hurt like hell. Also. Oh <laughs> my had, god. Yeah, he had it done also. Yeah. The, the second time, the second time was I was out for almost two minutes. Um, and it was the same, only backwards, okay? So it was a pitch black. You couldn't see anything. But, you know, like if you're in the house or if you go to an apartment or whatever and all of a sudden you have a complete blackout, you don't you, – you have no visual sight of anything, but you have that presence. You know you're in either a hallway or you're in a room and, and you know there's a doorway there. You know there's something there that you need to head towards, you know, to find safety or, or – you know, wh wherever you're going. Right. That was, hey, Milk Dog. was like, it was Milk Dog and uh, Old Man. <laughs> How you doing, guys? Uh, great shows, by the way. I want to put we're, we're in Toby there. <laughs> about a near-death experience he had, which is pretty amazing. So that's what we're talking about. So go ahead, Toby. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, it felt like I was moving down this this hall or this big, huge, dark room, and, and it was beyond dark. I mean, it was pitch black. There was no... No lighting, no visual, no nothing. Um, and it seemed like I stopped, and it was just this loud, obnoxious horn, singular monotone horn playing in the background. It had a little vibrato, a little bit of um, little bit of echoing to it. It was just loud and obnoxious, like somebody blowing a tuba, you know, with a C-sharp right in your ear. Blah. Anyway... And then somebody laughed. I heard this deep laugh in the background. And says, "Nope, not yet." And then I woke I mean, up. That, that, that must have been a little bit more troubling. That experience. That didn't seem like it was as peaceful as the first one. You no, know, no. It was. It was like okay. So I. So I went to both sides. I think I went to purgatory, and you know maybe I was uh, moving through the clouds to go see my family members. You know, oh. I, I. I don't know. Um, all I know is. After that, my perspective of life changed. Um, I not, Well, you know, the time I had my heart attack, I was working three jobs, two full-time, one part-time to support not only my family, but my, my girlfriend's family at the same, at, you know, at the same time. Wow. So I was putting myself through a whole lot, as well as I was, I'm a musician, so I was doing gigs and stuff too. And that changed my perspective to, to take life as it is, take life one day at a time and to enjoy every moment to live, hey, slightly. laugh, slightly and welcome. love. Hey, slightly, just, you know, we got Toby in here talking about a near-death experience or two near-death experiences that he had. Yeah. So, um, so you heard the horn. Now, uh, Doc asked, asked a good question. Did you have any concept of time while this was happening? 
No, it felt like, like felt like a very long time. Wow, but it really was. It was a matter of a couple of minutes then. Yeah, the first time I flatlined for um, a minute twenty three seconds. The second time was um, like two minutes five seconds, somewhere around in that area, uh, give or take a few seconds. Um, but um, once I finally got to the hospital, this this is the funny part. There was no damage to my heart. I had just a minor, minute amount of blockage. Were you lucky? There was no damage to my heart. Um, I have high blood pressure, and um, that's it. Wow. That was it. They were astonished. I mean, I, they did the catheter. I went through all the stress tests. Um, the only other thing they found was a, um, it's a, yeah, an arrhythmia. Um, it doesn't beat the same. Sometimes it'll skip beats. Sometimes it'll beat a little faster than, you know. Um, but other than that, I actually came out of it technically unscathed as far as my um, cardiovascular system. Mm. So Now, you, you hear stories, stories a lot about people that have had near-death experiences, and it kind of changed the way they looked at life. Have these experiences kind of changed your life in any way? Have they made you look at life differently or have they, have they made you feel more comfortable or, or maybe even like more scared about what lies ahead? I, well, after that happened, I decided, you know, it's time for me to think about me, you know, instead of now. And, and, and I don't want people to think that I'm selfish and I'm, I'm not, I'm the most giving the biggest part of you're 50, right? You're 50. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 52. I get it because I'm doing that right now. I've, I've got four kids they're 17, 15, 13, and 11, and I'm at that phase of life. Now, finally, I went out and I bought a Corvette convertible a few months ago. <laughs> and I'm finally, you know, not, not really a midlife crisis because I think that happened like seven years ago. So I'm past the midlife crisis. But I'm trying to, at this point, carve out some time for myself in my life because I haven't had any. It's all been about other people. So I exactly. get exactly what you're saying. You're not selfish. You're, being, you're doing what you should do and make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Exactly. A little bit because you need to. And you I, know, I get that I've, completely. I've, so go ahead. Yeah, I decided to go back to college um, and um, get my bachelor's in uh, educational studies. And I wanted to open up, well, a few other things happened along the way while doing that, but uh, I won't get into that. But I changed my life and not just doing, basically breaking myself to do for others. I'm not saying I won't do that now, but I'm going to live life in the moment, at that moment, and cherish each and every moment with you know my wife that I have now. You know, I I cherish every every moment with her as if it's as if it's my last, because you never know. And if you're you're constantly out there and you're breaking yourself, what are you doing it for? Are are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it to make yourself happy? Or are you doing it to make others happy? Because in the end, yeah. and and again, this sounds selfish, but in the end they're not going to be the ones who are with you to make you happy. No, you're, you're right on the mark. I mean, for me, you know, one of the advice I like to give people, and again, when I give advice, don't think that I think I'm smarter than anybody here. I, I don't, I you know I'm just older. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've had more life experiences than some of you. And if old man's still here, you know, I know he said he was 67 years old. You do get to a point in your life 
where you just stop giving a damn about what other people think. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's not like you're not respectful to people. I'm still respectful to people, but I don't make decisions anymore based on what I think other people need or want because you get to a certain point in your life where you really have to be true to yourself and make decisions to that are you know important to you now like if you look at my life you know back way back in the day you know in high school i was mr popular i I was captain of the football team you know i was at all the parties that type of thing and i you know i was so worried about my image with everybody and things like that that it kind of ruled my life and that that i would say lasted probably even into my 20s and as i get older i realized that most of that stuff doesn't mean a damn thing in the grand scheme of it and when you're popular and you have popularity a lot of that stuff means absolutely nothing because popularity is fleeting. You have it one day, it's gone the next day, and a lot of those popularity friends don't really give a damn about you one way or the other. It's all about the people that are really true to you as a friend, the people that really care about you, not the ones that hang around with you because they can benefit from you or they exactly. – or whatever. So, so, yeah, you're right. I, mean, it, it, I think as you get older, at least in my perspective, and it sounds like yours as well, you start trying to carve out – what's important to you as a person and you start trying to carve out little things for yourself that you, that you want to do. And, you know, people that look at me now, I don't think many of them would think of me as that, you know, the, the, the football player from high school, I'm a pretty eccentric guy. I'm a guy that in my town, you know, I've been in movies. I do a, po- I do a podcast now. I wear shorts in the middle of January when there's two feet of snow on the ground. I just don't Hell give a yeah. damn. I don't give a damn. People come up to me. Aren't you cold? I'm like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm comfortable. I don't care. It's just I live for me. And I'm sure some people look at me and think I'm nuts. And other people just go, well, that's just John. (laughs) It's it's okay. You know, you're going to be yourself because then you're full. When you can truly, I think, be yourself. And that's why I love you get on. You love that you're getting on and talking about what you do. Honestly, I would love to do it. I've never done it. But I think it would be a lot of fun. I think it's great that you do something that's really of interest to you and you have a passion for. I think that's awesome. You know, I really absolutely. Enjoy. And it's like it's like the podcast. Now we started a podcast back in March. Yep. Uh, it's called Just Woke Up Show, and and we've had people come on. Why don't you have a topic? Why don't Why don't you speak on this subject or that subject? I said because you know what? That's what other people want. That's what other people want you to speak on. What we do is we have casual conversations about whatever. It doesn't matter. It could be it could very open form, in other words. Exactly. Yeah. From from sexual innuendos to just having fun and ha- cracking jokes and and would you say you about have, the you, have sex, you have sex in the windows? I'm just kidding. It's in your window. <laughs> uh, we have sex in your window, John. I've heard that before. <laughs> you know, I've had a couple of sex shows. I may have to on have you on to talk about that. We had uh, who was the one guy that was on? Was Brian was talking about having sex? Brian Baldry having sex in a coffin in a funeral home. So that one kind of freaked the shit out of me when I heard that. One. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but go ahead. We, we've had on, on on John's sex theme shows. We've had people like Roxanne. We've had Miss O, and I believe okay. we've had um, oh, every time you mention a couple Ms. other people. I have to go take a cold shower every every time I hear her name. She gets Roxanne. on those. Podcasts. I start. Well, Roxanne's good, but you know, for me, Miss O is more my more my thing. And she gets on and is very descript about certain things, and usually I end up sweating with inside of like five minutes. <laughs> 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 Pouring off my forehead, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I love me some Miss O. She's uh, hopefully my wife's not listening. So, come get me. <laughs> the um, the night, so I don't know. Go ahead. I I think on the next sex show, I will say we've we've got to work on getting um. Lady Fables and Yazzie Yaz from the Ball Report to, to drop by one day. 
you know what we gotta do? We just, we just gotta schedule one and then have you yeah. work for me because you're good with everybody. Maybe you can yeah. secure for me to come on. We'll just have some fun some nights. I know Ralph William has a and, good one. And Fox, Fox Decipher as well. And I, I, I think he would bring something interesting, interesting to the table. Miss O is my favorite. I, I can't. Well, actually, Miss O and Samantha. You remember Samantha? She used to be on all the yeah. time. I don't know what happened. To her. I haven't seen too much of her lately either. But, yeah, she was good. Um, <laughs> I liked her also. Hey, James, welcome to the live. So, listen, uh, Toby, I, it was a pleasure to have you on. I'm going to add your show to my published list uh, as shows to follow because I think you have a great show. Well, thank I you. I really enjoyed having you on today. And um, what, I, what I'd love to have you do is if you go into that cemetery this weekend, you have something happening. I've got, I think, Monday. My Monday show is Best Horror Movies. And I can't remember, I think Tuesday, Serial Killers, and then Wednesday, I'm going to do a show about haunted houses. I'm doing the Amityville Horror House, Lizzie Borden's house. I'm going to do some talk about H.H. Holmes's Horror Hotel in Chicago. And also, very close to my house, I'm not sure if you ever heard of this house. Maybe you have. But in Gardner, Massachusetts, there's a very famous haunted house that was ranked, I think, in the top three on one of the, I think, I don't know if it was History Channel or whatever channel I was watching is one of the top 300 houses in the country. I literally live 20 minutes away from it, and I didn't even know it was a famous haunted house. I drive by it all the time, and then I happen to see uh, it's a show, and I'm like, holy shit, I drive by that house all the time. But apparently, you can go in and have dinner in this house, and my wife was actually thinking about booking something for us. I think that'd be kind of cool. I guess it's and like it's the, the, Gardner, the Gardner Hotel or the Gardner uh, yeah, Bed and Breakfast. That's it. That's exactly I live right around the, uh, 15, 20 minutes away from that house. Oh, and wow. I beautiful old victorian house i and, just watched a movie about that yeah it's like a famous house i didn't even know yeah. what it was but um yeah it was kind of cool awesome. so i, I want to maybe do that sometime check that out so well john and, i definitely thank you guys for for allowing me to come on and yeah. uh, give you a little commentary and uh tell you about my little experiences i definitely appreciate it i don't get on a whole lot of the other podcasts i go in and i listen yeah. you know and, and chit chat with some of the thing. people you know i never call in i, I, I come I come in and listen generally because I, I want people to have their shows without me coming in. But I see, I see Lorene's comment about I grew up near Amityville. That's cool. You know, actually, I, you must be in Long Island. I work for a company. I'm in Boston, but my company is in Ronkonkoma, New York. So I'm on Long Island all the time. And I've driven by that house. When I first graduated college, I lived in Deer Park right near Comac. So I know Long Island very well. But uh, actually, yeah, I'm going to talk about the Amityville house. Do you know anything about that house by any chance? Because if you want to come on and, and talk about it, because my daughter's been talking quite a bit about it, you know, about the murders that actually happened in that house. But most of the movies didn't have a lot of truth to them. So that would right. be kind of cool if you, you know, if you wanted to come back in next week and talk about the Amityville house. I'd like to hear maybe some perspective that, from somebody that lives in that area, because I know that they've, re they've renovated the house and the windows are gone and all that type of stuff now. But, yeah, so make I think it's like next Wednesday. You could probably see my schedule as I post all my shows in the scheduled area. So I think Wednesday I'm talking about the houses. I can't remember which time it is because I'm old and I'm senile. I forget things. <laughs> I'm, old, but yeah. I'm getting senile. Now, let me ask you this question before I let you go, Toby. Now, you're, you're almost my age. Do you ever say something now and then think to yourself, wait, did I already say that? Yes. Okay. All, I do too. All the time. A few minutes ago when I asked you a question, I'm like, I asked you a question and I'm like, shit, did I already ask him that question? <laughs> I don't think I did, but if I did, I apologize for doubling up on the question. So no, you're good, bro. You're good because right, you know, cool, thanks for being that same age. I understand. <laughs> hey, Eric, you yes. want know what else? Well, um, I think with like next week, you doing some Halloween themed shows. Um, um, ho hopefully, we can work on getting Jimmy and yes. from the Speakeasy podcast. You know, you some some of us might remember him 
from the Den of the Unknown and David from the Mysteries of the Paranormal shows. Like, yeah, you know, he, ho- hopefully, he sent me an email last night, and actually, he was telling me about his was his a relative of his that had passed. I think his dad. His dad. Oh yeah, he had just sent me an email last night. I hadn't got a message from him in quite some time, so it was kind of nice to hear from him again. So, well, I I, I sent you his email address, and yeah. and I know you got in touch with him, and he yeah. and he replied back. Yeah. Hey, don't forget now, tonight, 5 o'clock, I'm going to be on with an all-music show. We might talk a little bit, but probably not much. Rock and roll, classic rock from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So if you're into anything from Zeppelin and Aerosmith on up to Nirvana, we're going to be playing all of it. I've got a a, basically a playlist already queued up and ready to go. My daughter's going to help me a little bit. My son's going to help me a little bit. We're just going to chill and have some fun. So if you want to listen to some good rock tonight, tune in and listen. Tomorrow, I'm playing romantic songs with my wife. <laughs> um, um, so my, my wife and I are going to be getting in the mood. No, no, not really, but we've been married. <laughs> we have four kids. We figured out what the problem is, and we stopped doing it. So that we've got four kids. We don't want eight. So we've kind of figured out you know, the, the, uh, what we were doing. But uh, tomorrow night, romantic songs, and then also Sunday morning chill. And the next week, I've got shows scheduled every day. I'm kind of back with authority. I took a break for a while because I was burnt out. So what do I do? I schedule like 20 shows in two weeks, so I'll probably be burnt out again by Thanksgiving. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, and um, and Doss also begging for no no Nirvana music, but <laughs> I think other great podcast shows to be on the lookout for. I think coming up in about two hours, Cracks will be going live with um, her Friday edition of The Talking Corner. Um, Good and, I know, and I know Frankie D's Crib is another podcast show to be on the lookout for. No. I think I get to make I mean, a couple. You know, I know he's young, and um, he has a good job, a good show, but he doesn't seem like he gets a lot of people in. So, if you guys haven't checked out Frankie D's show, it's a really good show. Frankie Check it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show, Frankie D's crib. Um, you know, I, he, he's a young guy with great great potential. You know, he has career aspirations for radio, but and I think podcasting is is probably a step in that right direction for him. But but I know we've got your music show coming up at five p.m. today, John, and then I know Ralph should. You haven't been into my music show, Eric. You going to come rock with me for a little bit? I'm going to try to make it a point to, to show right. up. Um, and then I know it after 8 p.m. I know Ralph will be doing his Friday night sex talk with Virginia show, and then David at 9 p.m. Eastern will be doing his um, Mysteries of the Paranormal podcast. But I'll be on with slightly serious later on at 9:30 Eastern, 6:30 Pacific. But name, that name that just came in, Pee Pee. I kind of like that name, Pee Pee 25. <laughs> Three nine. So I, don't child, but I had to kind of mention that. So anyway, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know 11 p.m. I think it's like a pick and choose of which, which podcast you go to. You've got the old man playing his Friday night music show. And then Dennis Lee and Donald Wayne are doing trust talk. And then over the weekend, you've got Mel, E, John and Mike from Lyrical Laxatives. Um, Thank you. And man. then ho- hopefully Dennis Lee is able to do his. Tall Tales in the Rabbit Hole podcast this weekend, assuming that there are no more technical issues like setting him back. And, and of course, you know, every, every day next week, I know you'll be on. Then, oh, Eric, look at the subject what? area. I see a comment. Uh, Plus, Eric never promotes my show. Well, and well, I know you're not scheduled, Nida, but, um, and, and I know you're not scheduled either, Doss, but, um, but definitely be on the lookout for y'all, I guess. Oh man, you got called out. So you, we got to we got to get Doth into that as well, into some of those promotions. But you have to, yeah. Eric. Is I, I do. Remember, you I'm, I'm, I do good with like scheduled shows than I do like impromptu's. But but you know, and we know Ralph's got his morning show every Monday through Friday at six a.m. And then 
Um, and then Chit Chat with the Old Man um, is on at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, thanks for the love, Nida. Thanks for the gifts. I um, the gifts. Thank you. Dreadnought 928, Just Another Day in Paradise, and Lyra and Lou's Communication Station are also other good podcast shows to be on the lookout for. <laughs> oh, now, my bad. I know. I know. <laughs> um, can You're I uh, just woke dead. up show, if, if I may, uh, John? Yeah, just woke up, yeah. <laughs> yeah tonight, tonight just, just, just woke up. It's actually, we're going to be doing our second uh, karaoke edition because uh, I, I, I am a DJ um, on the weekends. I do karaoke as well as live DJ, but uh, I figured I'd do a little karaoke on the podcast. So if anybody, and that's going to be about show? 8 o'clock tonight. So it'll be 9 central. Eastern time. 7 central. Okay. No, so, 8 central. 8 central. Yeah. So that's 9 eastern. Yeah. So if you guys want to come on, and, uh, we'll make you the star. And, uh, you know, DJ you know, is going to bring on. me all the good stuff. If I can convince her, my wife has a kick-ass voice. We've gone to like a lot of different things where she does karaoke and she wins. She's really good. Awesome. And uh, I'm awful. I'm the worst singer you could ever imagine. I have a good speaking voice, but it does not translate into singing. Let me tell you that. I can. <laughs> no, well, Hi, Tim Price. How is your anus? Want sexy back with Borat? <laughs> Are you going to explain that? What's that all about? Uh, what sexy? Newsflash <laughs> is the guy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Tim Price. How is your anus? <laughs> Want sexy I hear it's still a planet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you guys want to come on tonight, uh, actually, listen, you guys make sure and listen to the John DeVito show and his music as well. If you want to come and sing, join us on Just Woke yeah. Up at 8 o'clock Central Time. We're going to be throwing a little karaoke tonight. That's sweet. That sounds like fun. All right, guys. So you heard that loud and clear. Check check out uh, his podcast tonight. Sing some karaoke. And Eric, I assume, you, assume you're going to be in there singing tonight, right? Because I know you. <laughs> All right. I might stop by for a minute, um, but. But I think you have a lot of different shows on, of course, as usual. Yep, absolutely. Oh, and don't forget Robert's Mr. Clean Music Show podcast um, if you're up later tonight. All right, and let, let me let me just mention, I, I don't want the show on go, to go on forever. Let me mention Robert again really quickly. Robert is an adult, and he's got some challenges. He has a show called the Mr. Clean Show. He gets on and plays music. You know, He plays some kids' music. He plays... Um, you know, TV theme shows and things like that. Robert is, you know, challenged mentally, and he's looking to make some connections here on Podbean. If you get a chance, yeah. you don't have to love the music. I get it. But if you get a chance, pop into Mr. Clean Show, make a couple of nice comments, you know, leave, whatever. But, you know, the poor guy was kind of chastised about a week ago for some things that happened on, on Podbean. And I've talked to him. I don't think he's a bad guy. So if you get a chance, if you see that Mr. Clean Show, check it out. And, you know, do, do your good deed for the day. You know, show some love to a, a guy that maybe has some challenges but is trying to live his dream also because I think it's important for all of us to really focus on living our dreams and, you know, living our lives to the fullest capability. And that's kind of what Toby was talking about. I feel the same way, you know. But I guess, you know, you were talking about Frankie D's crib. His goal is to be in radio. At 52, my goal is just not to die at this point. I want to, you know, and stay alive. So that's kind of my goal. But anyway, Eric, I thank you. I'm going to play my exit music. Yeah. We're going to end the show. Thank you, everybody, for coming in. I greatly appreciate it. And please come back in yeah. again to my show. You know, I'm going to be on all weekend and every day next week. So I love you all. Thank you very well, much. Well, and also awesome look forward show. to you doing doing a collaboration show also with Sinister Breed as well. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that one next Saturday. That's right. Oh, he, um, well, he and also he might stop by the show one day next week, too, along with Jimmy and David and a few other friends. I keep saying I'm going to end the show, and I don't end it. But actually, Sinister wrote me last night. And he wants to do a show talking about you know, horror movies because he knows everything about <laughs> horror movies. Yeah. He asked me about the movie Slender Man. 
Uh, oh. I happen to know the producer. I know the producer of Slenderman. She lives in my town, and she is the person that got me into all five movies I've been in. I'm friends with her. So I wrote him back saying, hey, listen, if you want, I can ask Andrea if she wants to come on the show. So I'm going to text her and ask her. So we may actually have the producer of Slenderman, Andrea Jamian's her name. Really nice, nice woman. She just, oh, produced, yeah. she just produced a Liam Neeson movie that's out right now called Honest Thief, and it was really good. It was kind of like a combination of, uh, say, Taken and Gone Girl, if you saw both of those movies. So I really enjoyed it. But she was the producer of that also. Doss, you know you're always welcome to call in, just not today, because I'm going to go out and grab it. So, <laughs> well, we're, getting, we're wrapping up. Here you go. I'm ready. Oh, yes. I love my exit music. I love my new mixing board. So, again, thank you, every, thank you everybody. I appreciate love you, and God bless you, everybody. I know. Until next time. Take care Take now. Care. Bye-bye. Bye. Later.